Hey, good morning, Christian Chapel. It is good to be with you online. Even though we can't meet together in person, we still have an opportunity to worship together today. This morning's service is going to be a little bit shorter than normal. We're going to have a couple of worship songs, a message, and an opportunity for us to pray together. In the meantime, we want to stay involved in your life. So if you have prayer needs, you can visit us at christianchapel.com prayer. And we would love to pray with you about the things that are going on right now. If you'd like to continue to worship with your giving, you can do that at christianchapel.com give. We're looking forward to worshiping with you and really looking forward to the day soon that we can all meet together in person again. Thank you for joining us today. My prayer is that this morning God speaks to you clearly and powerfully. Good morning. Um, when Pastor Chris asked me to speak on relational wholeness, I got to tell you, I was really excited. You know, there are just some words that bring life and energy to your soul. Well, relational wholeness is a couple of those words for me. Relationships fascinate me. They are the places of great joy and great pain. And our relationships are also a place where we can experience deep love and the place where we can, we can experience the deepest hurts in lives. In my before Jesus life, I did not have one relationship that was healthy. My marriage was a mess, and because of that, my parenting was lacking. I did not have a good relationship with my parents. I had bumped up against a number of addictions. With all that mess and no Jesus, I did not have the capacity to have relational wholeness. But when I gave my life to Jesus at the age of 31, I was then positioned for wholeness. Scripture continually reveals to us that our wholeness is contingent upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus provided for both myself and for you all the resources that we need for wholeness. The passage of Scripture that we're going to begin with this morning is found in John 17, verses 20 through 23. Now, this is the night before Jesus is crucified, and Jesus has just prayed for his disciples, and he is transitioning and begins to pray for you and I. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, this is a beautiful prayer by Jesus. And if you take the time and stay and linger with these words, you will begin to feel and experience the deep longing that Jesus is expressing to his father. His words are full of passion and affection for you and I. Jesus really wants us to have the unity that he experiences with his Father and within the Trinity. God as Trinity is the cornerstone of our Christian experience. God dwells and has always dwelled in an eternal community. Deep within us, there is this need for connection. This is a divine reality. It proceeds directly from God 
from the eternal community that he lives in, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the amazing thing is, is that he invites us into this relationship. This is the whole story of the gospel. So when we begin to explore relational wholeness, we really have to begin with the Trinity. Relational wholeness first existed within the Trinity. The Father pours everything that he has into his beloved Son, and Jesus pours and directs everything into his Father, and the Spirit is directing everything to Jesus, who is directing everything to his Father. We get this view of the Trinity and this radical and extreme other-centeredness. I love how Robert Mulholland, in his book, Imitation to a Journey, describes our spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is the experience of being shaped by God towards wholeness. It is the experience of being conformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. Now, there are a number of scriptures in, Bible, in the Bible that speak to us about being conformed to the image of Christ. Romans 8.29 is one of these. Romans 8.29 tells us, For those God foreknew... He predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, the word conformed here carries with it the idea that someone other than ourselves is doing the shaping. It brings to mind the potter and the clay that we viewed in the video when we began this morning. You see, when we become clay in God's hands, when we surrender our lives to God, this begins our journey towards wholeness. As we believe that God is good and we trust him and allow him to, God's, God begins to shape and mold us according to his vision for us, not ours. And our relationships are a tool that God uses for our shaping. You might say that if God is the potter and we are the clay, then the relationships are the wheel on which that clay turns. In pottery, a potter's wheel is used for the shaping process. It's constantly moving at different speeds. The wheel can also be used during the process of trimming away the excess clay and for cutting in the decoration and the collar of the pot. Now work with me a moment. So when I placed my life in God's hands, when I surrendered my life to him and he took my life, the clay, and he placed it on the potter's wheel, which represented my relationships. And as I began to move in and out and through those relationships, he began to cut away the excess clay. He began to cut away the unnecessary and the unholy things in my life. And he used the relationships to cut into the clay to decorate and add color, to bring out and enhance the gifts that he had placed within me. He continues to do this with me today, and he does it also with you. Knowing this, we really shouldn't be surprised that our greatest place of spiritual growth towards wholeness in Christ happens within our relationships with one another. Think about what this can mean. We can look at our hard relationships in such a different way. We can look past the pain, the rejection, the hurt, the anger, the hopelessness, and drill down to the core of that mess, and we can understand and trust that God can use us to shape us more and more into the image of his son Jesus, which is the purpose of our life. This knowledge has brought, my, brought myself personally a lot of comfort over the years. I can know that those hard relationships, those hard spaces are not wasted and lost time. 
that as I move in rhythm with the Spirit, I can learn and grow and take on more and more the, co- the character of Jesus, which again is our purpose in this life journey. Please hear me. I am not making light of your pain. And I am not saying that Jesus causes the hurt in your relationships. And I'm not saying it is easy. But what I'm encouraging you to do is take your relationships, these hard relationships, and place them in front of God and let him bring purpose out of your pain. Last Lent season in 2019 was a very special time for my husband, Dan, and myself. Some of you may remember that we played a video during our Lent season that featured our youngest son, Kyle, and his journey out of addiction. That was a very long five years, but Kyle's journey was not just about him. When I took that intimate relationship, that connection between mother and son with all of its fears and angers and hurts and disappointments and placed them in my father's hands. And as I moved in rhythm with the spirit, as our family moved in rhythm with the spirit, reaching out when the spirit instructed us to pulling back and being, being silent and always praying in the spirit. Our whole family changed and grew during that season. We became more like Jesus. And I find so much comfort in that, that time of, of that hard, stressful time was not lost and wasted. There was so much life that was brought out of it because of Jesus. Now, Jesus is always our pattern for life. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that we have a high priest in Jesus who can sympathize with our journey here on planet Earth. Now, Jesus was fully God and yet fully man. And being fully man, he experienced and encountered relational problems. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus' mother was pregnant before marriage. Can you imagine the atmosphere of relational hardship that Jesus was born into his hometown? Jesus' own brothers did not believe in who he was until after the resurrection. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, denied him three times at a time when Jesus needed his emotional support the most. James and John, a couple of brothers and good friends of Jesus, argued right in front of Jesus when Jesus had the cross on his mind who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom that was coming. And Judas Iscariot, a man Jesus chose as his disciples and someone Jesus intimately shared his journey with for three years, betrayed Jesus to his death. And then consider the violent, angry religious mob that constantly pursued and challenged Jesus and finally crucified him. Jesus was surrounded by hard relationships. Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, most of us know this this verse really well, but we have mainly focused on the truth portion. You see, we're really good at the truth part. We have paid close attention to the things that Jesus has said. We've memorized them and we've implemented the, the best that we know how into our lives. But what if we took a look at Jesus's life and paid close attention to what Jesus did as to as much as what he said? What if we examined the way that Jesus chose to live his life? 
the intentional decisions and deliberate choices that Jesus made about how he would live out his daily life here on planet Earth. Now, I fully understand that according to the rest of John 14, 6, that no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. That is part of the meaning of the way. But I believe that there is so much more behind these few little words. I love how Eugene Peterson in his book, The Jesus Way, breaks down this verse. The Jesus way wedded to the Jesus life, excuse me, the Jesus way wedded to the Jesus truth yields the Jesus life. The lifestyle of Jesus, the way he chose to live his daily life was just as important as his teachings. Eugene Peterson goes on to say in his book, to follow Jesus means that we can't separate what Jesus is staying, saying from what Jesus is doing and the way that he is doing it. If we want to enter into the wholeness that Jesus offers, then we will have to participate at some level in the way that Jesus lived his life. I believe that as we read through the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that there are some practical things that we can learn from Jesus' life that helps us in our journey towards relational wholeness. That there are some things that Jesus implemented in his daily life that allowed him to relate, to relate well to others. Now, one of the things that you will notice if you slow down and take a look at the Gospels and you're really looking to see how Jesus chose to live his life, you will see that Jesus was very relaxed. He was not stressed out and running around breathless. And if anybody had the cause to do that, it was Jesus. He had been hidden away for 30 years. And when he steps on the scene to do his three-year ministry, he had three years to train his disciples to turn the world upside down. I don't know about you, but that fills me with anxiety. But Jesus entrusted his father with his daily rhythm of life, and he chose to move through each day in a pace that allowed him to live each day well. Nowhere in scripture will we find that Jesus was ever really in a hurry. He was busy and productive, but never rushed. Jesus worked hard, but he knew when to pull back and he knew that he needed to care for his soul. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? The breathless, stressed out, and exhausted life is not the life, the abundant life that Jesus came to bring us. Jesus created margin in his life. The priority of Jesus engaging and disengaging is everywhere in the Gospels. In fact, in the book of Luke, at least nine or ten times you see this rhythm of Jesus engaging and disengaging. It's how he began his ministry. It's how he made important decisions. It's how he dealt with hard emotions like grief. It's how he dealt with the constant demands of ministry. It's how he... He cared for his soul. It's how he taught his disciples. It's how he prepared for the cross. Let's just take a quick look at a few of these passages. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, we read, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary 
place. Now, Jesus had just really had a busy day and night of ministry. And now at daybreak, Jesus was needing to pull back, get away, and have a change of pace and perspective. He was needing some time alone to be with his father and to process the day. Jesus needed time to quiet his mind. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was a pattern for Jesus. This wasn't just a once or twice event. It was a pattern. Luke chapter 9, verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves. Not only did Jesus take good care of his soul, but he took good care of the souls that he did life with. Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. Jesus went out to a mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him. Jesus needed margin to hear and receive wisdom from the Holy Spirit. When we are rushing through our life, we cannot hear the Spirit speak to us. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Jesus allowed space in his life to grieve. When Jesus pulled back from his life, it allowed him to go deeper in his love relationship with his father. How can we think that we can live well and love well in our relationships without following the example of Jesus. Dallas Willard, an American philosopher and a, a great writer on Christian spiritual formation, has a quote that has so much truth to it. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You'll also notice in the Gospels that Jesus was constantly interrupted. People were coming through the roof for healing. When he was walking through crowds, people were pulling on his robes. People were constantly interrupting him. I don't know about you, but the last time I was interrupted, I was not filled with love, joy, and peace. But because of the margin that Jesus created in his life and the rhythm of engaging and disengaging, Jesus was able to be peaceful, loving, and present to the moment with those that he had a relationship with. Love, joy, and peace cannot coexist in a rushed and hurried life. Now, I want to talk about one more thing before we close. One of the privileges I have here at Christian Chapel as your care pastor is I get to enter into some of your relationship battles with you. And a question that I'm usually asked in one way or another is, what do we do when others let us down? Well, I want you to take time to consider a few things. Jesus carefully chose those that he did his three-year journey with. But Jesus was never surprised by what he encountered in the hearts of those around him. John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25 tells us, Now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, Many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. 
Jesus chose Judas full well knowing what was in his heart. Jesus chose Thomas knowing the inclination towards doubting. Jesus chose Matthew knowing his obsession towards money. Jesus chose Peter knowing his ability to deny the truth and to live in denial. Jesus chose his relationships, his friends, knowing that somewhere along the life journey, they would let him down. He went into his relationships understanding this. He didn't build his relationships on the illusion that they were ideal and perfect. He went into the relationships with his disciples knowing the good along with the bad in their hearts. When we choose to enter into our relationships in the Jesus way, it is a much different starting place to build and create our relationships. We are not counting on our relationships to be perfect, but we are counting on the mutual need for Jesus. And that allows the grace of Jesus to flow from one to the other as needed. And it brings us one step closer to a vulnerable and authentic community. As I prepared to pray, I, I got to tell you, the last couple days as I was reviewing my sermon and getting ready for today, I thought, what a perfect time for this teaching. This imposition of time has been forced upon us. On us. None of us asked for it, but yet here it is. So I want to encourage you this week to press into this place and to see it as a gift spend some time with Jesus, talk to him about the future, pray for creative ideas, ways to, to make memories with your family, do some soul care. For some of us that may need, mean taking a nap. We've been burning the candles at both ends. We're exhausted, we're tired. Take some time to rest. That will enhance your emotional health. Take some time to ask one another, hey, how are you really doing? text someone, call someone. This is a gift from Father. Would you please join me in prayer? Jesus, I would ask that you would send your spirit, the comforter, into each home. Would you bring peace, Father, in this time? And Jesus, we would just want you to know that we trust you with this space and this season in our life. We love you. Amen. Hey, Christian Chapel, thank you for joining us today. We hope that this was a good experience for you. We know things are a little uncertain right now. We're not sure exactly when we're gonna be able to meet in person together, but that doesn't stop us from being the church. If you have any prayer needs in your life, we would love to hear about those. You can drop those off at christianchapel.com prayer. You can continue to be part of what God is doing uh, by supporting it financially at christianchapel.com give. And then if you want to keep up to date on our plans from week to week, you can check in at christianchapel.com. You can email us at info at christianchapel.com to be added to our email list. Or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram to have the latest updates on what's going on week to week. In the meantime, I want you to know our prayers are with you. God has got everything under control. And we look forward to all being able to gather again in person soon. God bless you and have a great week.